0: Please stand for the reading of the word of God. Our scripture for today is John 1, 6 through 13. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. All right, we are in our second week in the book of John, and we have the scripture journals If there isn't one in your row, we have some over here on the connect table. And really that is, you might have a Bible where you don't feel comfortable taking notes or um, marking it up or anything. They're made for you to take notes in as the Lord might show you some things to put in there and you can return to it. Um, And then you can also just grab one and give it to somebody. If you want to do a study over lunch or something with somebody, feel free to grab those. I think we're going to order some more this week. Um, Lord, I just ask you as we dive into starting verse 6, would you empower this time? None of us want to play at church. Life is too important for that. We actually want to meet with you and be changed and to do that together. So, Lord, would you you empower your word today? Um, So we're at uh, verse 6. It starts by saying, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Um, the the first five verses before this that we covered last week, and if you if you weren't here, um, we have a podcast through iTunes. We have uh, um, on Facebook. We have the video, or on our website, Sacred You can go back, um, or you can just read those verses too, um, or all of the above. To I, I, it, it lay all of this builds on itself because he's writing a coherent work for our good. Um, in those first. 5 verses it was so clear that life is found in the light of him who made all things life is found in the light of him who made all things and now we have this introduction of another person and it might be a little confusing because we're we're reading the book of John and now someone is introduced whose name is John and yes, like, John is a familiar name. Like, we have a lot of those, you know, um, in here. Like, we actually have two Grace Kimberleys in our church. And so, uh, so there's, um, this is a common name, but what here this verse is speaking about is John the Baptist, so John, in the book of John, is now transitioning another character that he's going to share with us about John the Baptist. And one of the very interesting things about John the Baptist is he's actually thought of as the greatest and last in the line of the great prophets of the Old Testament. Sometimes it's interesting because it's like, oh, he's, this is the New Testament, but he is thought of as being... The, the last in the line of Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and um, I'm not, not making this up. In, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says this about John the Baptist. So this is a little aside so that we know who, who, who we're looking at right here in John chapter one. Matthew 11, verse 11 says, and you could in your scripture journal maybe just write down Matthew 11:11, 11, 11. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women." there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That can seem like, a did he just slam him? Or like, what's he talking about when he's talking about John the Baptist? And he's saying, John is the greatest man who has ever lived outside the kingdom of heaven. Could be another way to think of it. Or to think of it that, When you look at life before the resurrection of Jesus, when you look at life before having put your faith in Jesus, that actually adopts you into the family of God. When you look at before that, what Jesus is saying is John the Baptist is the greatest man who's lived outside of the treasures that we have available to us today. And John the Baptist stands in this long line of faithful prophets who declared for people to repent, the Savior is coming. Repent, the Savior is coming. We hear that for over a thousand years. Repent, the Savior is coming. And now John has this crescendo, the Savior is coming. And you can think of John as that John stands on the light of this new dawn, You know, like people are hunters or joggers or just get up early, you know, and just know like it's dark, it's dark, it's dark. Then you just start seeing this like light break into the day, right? And and John stands at the dawn of the coming and what he's pointing at, and he is saying, Everything we've spoken about, it's coming, it's here. Like, look, it's coming, the sun is rising. A new dawn is coming. Verse 8 clearly tells us that that he is not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. And I think if you're taking notes, I think it might be helpful to, to write even this major point that God sent his best to make sure we got who was coming. So he's saying like, hey, I'm sending this very faithful man And it's going to be crystal clear that the moment is now, and I want you to get what is coming. And this made me think it's kind of a, uh, it's what I just thought of this week, was that uh, in 2018, as we were looking to plant the church and stuff, I had heard about this organization called Fellowship Associates, and these are mainly a group of guys in their 60s who have helped to plant over 100 churches uh, from, inner city detroit to dubai and uh, and i just heard about how they care more about like your heart with jesus than they care about like any strategies or any of that stuff because they know that jesus is the one that that does this and like they just care about you and us hanging with jesus and walking closely with him along the way so i had just said like hey i don't know if this is a good fit but here's kind of my story and you know i I want to see like if maybe we could partner or something, and so I got back like some information about an interview, and I'd heard from the grapevine that they they typically per year interview about a hundred guys who feel called to plant churches, and then they'll they'll then like pour into six guys for about a year, um, and then are kind of committed to to just kind of walk together, and so what I found out was that the interview was in Memphis, Tennessee. So I get a flight to Memphis, they book the flight and stuff. And but as I'm landing, I'm like I have no clue what to do when I get off the airplane. Like and because they give me no information. They were just like, "Hey, the interview is this day, it's in Memphis." And um and I was like, "Okay." I guess I so. but and I don't want to be like a weird guy that was like, "Hey, uh, by the way, you forgot to tell me this and this and this and how I was gonna get from the airport to there and where I'm going and what it's gonna be like and I don't have an itinerary and any of that, I literally just showed up and it was just like, I have no idea what's gonna happen. And, um, and I was like, these people are either the worst at communication or they're purposely keeping me in the dark. And after a while being on the ground, I just got like the name of this like place I looked online and it just seemed like this dive breakfast place and so I was just, so I actually kind of like t- looked around and I saw another guy that looked like he had no idea what was going on. And I was like, are you? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm supposed to be here, you know? And I was like, do you feel called to plant a church? Yeah, we feel in Lawton, Oklahoma that we feel, called, you know, and uh, and it was just this really fascinating and I was like, well, maybe we should figure out together, you know, so I had never done Uber before at this time. So actually I was like, because I didn't want to rent a car because I didn't know what was going to happen after that. So I was like, I just really want a straight shot to this this restaurant. And so I download the Uber app and him and I rode together this place. And then we get there and we see several other people that look like they have no idea what they're supposed to do. You know, we're like, oh, we're all. So we just waited there for a while. And then these like six guys walk in, uh, most of them in their 60s. And, um, and we, they're just like, okay, hey, some of you sit at this table, this table, this table. And no joke, these people seemed, they were nice, but they like started interviewing us intensely. Like, it was, um, like, they asked a lot about my relationship with Jesus. They asked a bunch about our calling to plant a church. Uh, they asked really personal questions where, like, you wanted to say none of your business. But it was like, okay, I, here's the answer to that question. And here's the answer to that question. And uh, Then after about an hour, they would rotate tables. And so after like an hour of that, then another guy would sit down and just start the whole process over again. Then after an hour, another guy would stop st- step in. And like we had breakfast there. We had lunch there. Uh, then, um, and then no joke, these guys just got up and left. And we were like, I guess that's, I guess we're done, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and so we were like, when's your, f-? and so we were like, I guess we just go home. So we just went to the airport and went home you know? And like, that was it, you know? And it was so bizarre. Um, But one of the things later that we found out was they said, hey man, we actually purposely make that like, where you don't really know very much information. You just maybe know one or two things. And uh, we purposely have it where if you're going to get all bent out of shape, with just the interview and be like, I demand an itinerary and stuff. Like, they're like, we've just found over the years that planting a church might not be a good fit <laughs> because, like, there, a lot of times it's like, hey, I don't know how we get from here to here, but I think we've been called to go there. So, Lord, show us how to get there, you know, and stuff. And then they just, so there's a lot that they purposely kept in the dark. Um, But, you know, at the end, it was like an amazing experience with the six of us, and and the Lord used it in in beautiful ways. Um, But as I thought about verses 6 through 8 of John, I was like, you know what? We're not tested. He doesn't test us. Nothing is intentionally left in the dark. Nothing is intentionally left in the dark as a test for us to, like, discover something about ourselves in the pursuit of whatever, because I think the stakes are too high. Like I'm grateful for that interview process. I thought at the end it was really fun and interesting and makes for a story to tell later, but, but the stakes are too high. We are loved too much. So John the Baptist is standing at the dawn of a new age and he's saying, it's here, no hiding No, in the dark, there's no, I'm trying to thin out the herd so I can find just a faithful few who will follow me. No, like, this is the one that this has all been about. And he sends John the Baptist, and look at that verse again, so that all might believe through him. Everyone, like, this is for everybody, all y'all. Here he is, the one that this has all been about. Now, verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The true light, which gives light to everyone. Once again, not trying to thin out the herd or anything. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, verse 10, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And verse 11, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Look how verse 9 starts again. The true light. Not a true light, not a light that's above average in its luminosity, but the true light is coming into the world. And I think if you think of our entire world as like a painting, everything that the Hubble telescope can see is like a painting What this is telling us is God is the painter. The painter doesn't exist inside of his painting. The painter paints the painting. And God exists outside of time, since that's a construct of the universe. Thanks to Einstein for that. He exists outside of matter, since that's creation. He exists outside of even space. And he is stepping into his painting. He's stepping into time. He's stepping into matter. He's stepping into our world His creation. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. He is now on the inside. You can now look into the eyes of the one who created eyes. He was in the world, yet the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Man, like, I do feel like this should be haunting to us, haunting to our souls, All these promises that were given through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through David. All these promises given to faithful people that the Savior would come through their lineage. um, All these people really should be looking for him. They should be waiting for him. They should be accepting his arrival. They even knew John the Baptist was a prophet. And they're like, he speaks for God. And he's saying, he's the one. And they're like, hmm. I don't think so. They should have been laying out the welcome mat for Jesus. They should have been bowing before him. They should have been asking him, hey, why are you here? They should have been quick to do whatever he says. Jump, how high? Whatever he says, instead they're ignoring him, they're rejecting him, they're apathetic towards him, they're picking up rocks to throw at him. And it's true, and I think in the second point is that his coming was not received. This is John 1 is telling this right out of the chute. Like, hey, his coming was not received. It was prophesied how he'd be received, though. And that's what's crazy is that Jesus knew he would not be received by coming. He knew in advance that his coming would not be received. And it made me think this week, like, how often I've started a sentence by saying, if I would have known, I would have never Right, like if I would have known how bad that restaurant was, I would have never, never gone there. If I would have known how bad my hunting season would have been, I would have never passed that dough on the first day, right? To those who those who today's the last day, so those people aren't here actually to hear that, so they're desperately going for one more try. Um, if I would have known how quickly that toy was going to break, I would have never bought that toy. You know, like if I would have known I would have never. We think that way a lot. I think that way a lot. And what, what I'm grateful for, worthy of our worship, worthy of our, of our worship to him, is that Jesus doesn't think this way as it relates to us. In his kindness, he doesn't think this way as it relates to us. He, he knows his creation will ignore him. He knows we'll not appreciate him. He knows that he'll be rejected he knows all those things are true, and he's like, I'm still coming. I, I know, and I'm still coming. And now this is what he says in light of those who are not receiving, who John the Baptist is pointing at. All the Old Testament is pointing at in light of the rejection. This is what he says in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, who get, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, Nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It isn't an automatic privilege to be a child of God. It isn't something that that ever automatically happens. It doesn't come about by who your parents are. It doesn't come about by how many decades you've spent in a particular church. It doesn't come about by uh, all of the good things that you've done that maybe outweigh the bad things that you have done. It doesn't come about by any of those things. none of those have a bearing on becoming a child of God. Some of those are fantastic things, but they don't have a bearing on determining you being a child of God. It's a humble right to become a child of God to all who did receive him. This is the how. To all who did receive him. Not a religion, not a church name, not a not even like a way of life. No, it's to all who did receive him. It's always got. If anybody's ever like, you stand before God and God's like, why should I let you in? If your answer doesn't point to a person, it's not an answer that gains you salvation. And that is not harsh. That's actually beautiful clarity. <laughs> That's beautiful clarity saying, this is the one, this is the way to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, Scripture describes here that you are born again when you receive Jesus, when you believe in Jesus' name to save. You are born the second time not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. I'm going to try real hard. I'm going to follow my bloodline, and I'm going to be saved. You know, it's, no, it's but of God. Not of those other earthly things, but of God. When you put your faith in him, he himself does a miraculous work, in you where you can say that you have been born again not by your works but by the work of God not by your works but by the work of God and this is an amazing treasure third glorious truth treasures come to those who receive him treasures come to those who receive him this treasure isn't like pulling into an automatic car wash like this time of year with all the salt on the roads and stuff like I tend to go to a car wash now more than I do like in the summertime and stuff. And we went to a car wash while we were in Oklahoma City, and I couldn't believe like the cheapest the cheapest version of the car wash was like eight bucks, you know. And that's where it's like I think they're just gonna like dust some water on top as I drive through, you know. And uh, and I was surprised that the car wash I went to the most expensive version was uh, seventeen bucks to wash my car, 17 bucks to wash my car, you know? And, um, and so I didn't go with that option. I went with kind of a medium option, which I think most people probably do. Um, But funny enough, uh, there is a really nice Lexus sports car, like two in front of us waiting to go through the car wash. And all of us were like, I cannot find one speck of dust on that car. Like it looked like it had just gone through the wash. And I'm like, that car doesn't need to be washed our car, I can't see out the back window, you know, but there barely was any dust on it. And we we're just like, what is that car doing there? Um, what are the options that we should do to get our car washed, you know? And, uh, and maybe, maybe some cars don't even need to be washed, but what John is telling us here and what is true is that washing the soul is way different than washing a car. <laughs> washing the soul is way different than washing a car. All of us are in need of washing. There's no, well, I'm not quite dirty, so I might not need to be washed, or maybe I just need a little advice, just a sprinkling. But all of us need a power washing by the blood of Jesus. Um, All of us are that dirty. All of us have sinned and fall short of God. And that word dirty can bring unnecessary shame And there's no shame in Jesus, his love. He sees, he loves, uh, and he draws us to him and welcomes us. Um, Our souls are in a different type of washing, and there aren't any options to get clean. There isn't five options, and you pick one. There's only one way to be clean, which is through Jesus, through the person of Jesus and giving ourselves to him. God loved you. He loved me so much to send a rescue for our soul. Treasures of a right relationship with him. Treasures of our sins being washed as white as snow. Treasures come to those who receive him. And what is really crazy is of the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John is the only book that starts by repeatedly sharing with you how to give your life to Jesus. Realize this. Jesus hasn't said one word in John yet. We haven't learned one thing about his life yet. He hasn't taught one lesson yet to his disciples. And John already twice is like, would you believe on the front end? would you give your life to him on the front end? And I've heard missionary stories of of being in tribal areas where they have no word of God in their language, and they actually are asking the translators, as you get the verses translated, would you give each verse to us? We don't want We can't wait for an entire book of the Bible. We want to share with everybody in our village verse at a time. And I love in John, it's like, hey, from the gate, In less than 10 verses, there are multiple times. And other other books of of the Gospels are are starting with genealogy and starting with other reasons. And there are very, very amazing reasons why that is why they are starting those books. But what I love here is that before Jesus said one word, before we learn about anything he has said and done, um, because John's purpose is that we would believe, and in believing we would have life in his name. And so we're going to start diving more into his life we're going to start heading into this book. But as John's purpose is for us to believe, and John's purpose, I think, is for us in our community to follow in the footsteps of John the Baptist too and point to the light of the world and to like, point to the light of the world as we're basking in the light, um, I just thought like a couple areas for like where do we go from here. Um, I think the first is just like would each of us be a witness of Jesus? Like on the front end. Lord willing, we'll have a long relationship, but, like, on the front end, would we be a witness of Jesus? And the way I thought of that is, like, when you're going to teach a lesson, if you're, if you're a school teacher, if you're a professor, if you're a speaker, um, like, a, a lot, if, you're, if you're in sales, like, a lot of times you're going to really hone that message. You're going to really work on exactly how to say it, right, if you're, if you're like, a teacher or a speaker, and, what, what, uh, and that's valuable. That's good. Um, but what I love here is that we're called to be a witness. And a lot of times you don't, like, if you're like, hey, could you be a witness? Yeah, let me go and, like, make sure I get my story right. You know? It's like, no, no, you're going to mess it up if you do that. A good witness is honest, right? Like, the best witnesses are honest. Now, you, you, like, you're, you're just honestly communicating your experience, you're honestly communicating what you know of Jesus. You know, like, um, you might be like, hey, I don't really know too much about this, this, and this, but can I share with you, like, what he's done in my life? You know, I, I don't have a lot of clarity in here right now. I'm looking to him for this, but, like, man, I just want to witness to you what I've seen. I want to witness to you what I felt. I want to witness to you the things that the things that I've been able to be a part of. And uh, And, man, I just thought, like, how great would it be if, like, that's just what the Lord forms here? Is he, he doesn't form us, like, trying to be scholars or anything. He might call some people to that, but it's, like, what he's, what he's really empowering is for us to just witness to others what we've seen, what we feel, what we experience, and, and to be witnesses of him. And, man, like, some of you might say, like, well, I don't really know if I know the man yet. I don't, I don't know if the things I'm reading here, if I've experienced that yet. And I could say, well, you could be, we could be witnesses of that today, and we could be witnesses and would love to share uh, of what it looks like to, to actually give your life to Jesus, what it looks like uh, for his light to shine into our life and light us up and, and to forgive us, to wash us white as snow. And so, um, so I would just encourage you, if there's a lot of people in here who would love to be a witness to you of the ways that you could do that, and I would just encourage you, like, don't rush out of here um, without uh, rushing to Jesus first. And uh, then, uh, uh, then also, like, I think just, I mean, it kind of goes along with this, the way that we do this of being a witness of Jesus is by receiving him, by receiving him today. And once again, that could be people who are receiving him for the first time, Or it could be you're receiving him for the first time with where you're at right now. So it might be like, man, I don't know if I've ever felt this type of anxiety before. I need to receive him today um, in this way. Or, um, Or it could just be for receiving him in a renewed way today. To say, Lord, in a fresh way, like I receive you. In a fresh way, like I give my life to you. In a refresh, like a renewed way, I just thank you that uh, um, by your power I am a child of God. I don't deserve that, but I receive it. I don't boast in that from myself, but I boast in you because I'm witnessing what you're able to do with uh, this motley crew of us uh, in this place for His glory. So, Lord, I just ask that that each of us would be formed. Uh, not maybe even our perception of what an evangelist looks like or something, but Lord, will we just each be um, at home with you in a way that, uh, that, that we're just witnesses to our friends, our coworkers, our family. We're just witnesses of what you're doing, maybe on our sports team. We're witnesses of, of, of you, Jesus. And, and I do ask that you would even give us clarity today in each of our situations. Like, what does it look like for us to receive you today? give ourselves to you. All of this is about you, Lord. You're the center here. You're the, you're the guest of honor in this room. You're the only somebody in this room right now. And Lord, would we just be captured by you? Would you find receptive hearts to what you're doing in this place? Jesus, for your glory, we pray these things. Amen. Um, he gave us communion to commune with him. Um, I, I think we have been communing with him. Prayer receiving his word, um, and this is a very tangible, additional way that we commune with him. This is his idea that he says, often as you do this, do this uh, in remembrance of me, and so we have wine and juice. Obey your conscience there. Uh, this is for those who have given their lives to Jesus. If you, if you have not done that, don't come to the table, but come to Jesus. Give your life to him. No shame. No, people aren't going to be looking around. If you need to just sit in your chair and just talk with him and just be like, hey, is this real? Do you really want me to come to you? Do that, um, for those of us who are followers of Jesus at this time, um, I just encourage you to just look to him, let him search your heart, let him show maybe areas that we need to repent, confess, any of those things. But then, please, let's come, come humbly yet confidently to the table because this is for us. And the way there's a cup within a cup, so just grab one, and then we'll remain standing and we'll take it as family. So let's come, let's respond.